What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 49999 of Uncovering, Covering, Unexplained Mysteries. I am Josh Cannon. Am I here? Did I say am I here? I am here <laughs> with my awesome host, uh, Mike, and you know what? I guess, uh, I guess Josh is going through an existential crisis or something right now. <laughs> am, am I, I here? here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, um... What you're hearing is what you're experiencing right now is probably very similar to what people when they were watching black and white TVs and they finally invented color, how people's minds were just blown. Your mind should be equally blown because if we did this right, then we should both be sounding studio quality right now. Exactly. And uh, we want to give you all nothing but the best of what we got. I want nothing but the best for you and us. Sorry. Um, yeah, but... I was thinking of the bad English song from uh, Tango and Cash. Not that, but... Let's yeah. See, I'm going with some modern shit here, you know. I'm trying to stay <laughs> in the present. I'm the obscure guy over here with his obscure music tastes. Yeah, you only listen to movie soundtracks. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to other soundtracks. Other, other uh huh. I listen too. to other soundtracks. Yeah. See, there you get. I listen to other albums too. Like I like some AOR stuff. I like. I like that kind of music. AOR. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if I know who that is. It, it, it's it's a genre of music. It's a eighties kind of thing. Oh, I've never heard of that. What what is that? I I actually don't know for sure what the acronym means myself, but I know people. You know, it's a type of music. It's kind of like rock, but it's not as hard, but it's still really fun. And Does it stand like for it. Uh, areolas, orifices, and rectums? <laughs> no, no. Oh. No. no. So if you guys haven't been able to tell, this is not a very highbrow podcast. Um, I think the last time we messed around with the audio in the evolution of our podcast uh, was episode seven, I believe. So the first... Uh, what six episodes? Well, then you also have the stuff where I got a new microphone, so that probably helped as well. But yeah, uh, yeah, at, at the start, I mean, it is night and day. I mean, yeah, you've completed the evolution here. This, yes, the evolution should technically be freaking completed at this point. So, damn it, it better work. We could have done it earlier, but well, you know, I don't know. We just didn't think about it, you know, until later. But hey, better late than never. So anyway, uh, I don't really have that much updates to give you, except I'm hoping that I can pass this damn exam for my driver's permit on Thursday. I, you know, I've been studying. I've been doing things like that. I know the, I know all the questions on the review stuff online pretty well. Um, uh, I know a few of the things that apparently got wrong. It would be nice if I had the same test, but I, they probably won't give me the same test. Um, although that would be nice. <laughs> um, but we, we shall see. I'm taking it again tomorrow. Um, for me, uh, for me, sorry, I've been listening to Bill Burr's podcast too much. Um, let me think, um, uh, what's been going on this last week? Uh, oh, okay. Um, my new, my album, uh, Dancing with Ghosts. I have a band. It's called Dancing with Ghosts. 
You can't find any of my music online, right? Well, actually, you can. You can find a few of my songs on Spotify. Yeah, because that... I bought one of them. Uh, oh, <laughs> did you? Yeah, I oh. bought the in in the head one. Oh, like escape my head. my head. Escape my head. I think it's actually a pretty good song. Cool. So I have been working tirelessly to finish my album. I feel like I'm at a point to where I have all twelve songs mixed and mastered. Um. And now I'm going to take the master, I'm going to have it duplicated, and therefore I will have the album completed. It's going to have artwork, it's going to have all this other kind of stuff. Um, I'm going to start um, peddling that here in a few weeks or whatever, so be looking out for that. So yeah, um, I'm going to have that album come out, coming out here soon, um, and I'm going to be pushing it. I'm very excited about it. I've put a lot of work into it. This is like all my my musical endeavors in the past like three or four years in this one album, and yeah, I just put a really like a lot of work into it, and I I, I want to sell it to the fans and all that you know it's going to be cheap i think uh i think seven dollars for a whole full 13 song album with uh you'll get a cd uh booklet with art in it and you'll also get a digital download code i gotta figure out how to do all that stuff but um yeah so that's going to be coming up soon so i'm excited about that but besides that i think that's all we have for the chit chat well i mean also i mean there we still have no updates on uh the new Season five of, excuse me, I burped a bit because I'm just this is just giving me indigestion. Consi- consistently thinking about this, um, season five is still missing from the Amazon Prime episodes of Unsolved Mysteries. Now I did hear, uh, thanks to one of our uh, listeners and uh, members of the group, Mike Brill, he went in and actually talked to them, uh, the Unsolved Mysteries website, and asked them like, "What's going on? Is this?" Is it licensing issues? And then they're like, no, it isn't. But then they're also saying things like, oh, it'll be there in the third, second or third week of May. It It, it is literally the last day of May. Still no season five, but it's still there in the UK and Canada. Did you just stop bullshitting us? Can you like just explain what, what it, it, did you have a delay because of some editing or something went wrong, or legal stuff, whatever it is, just fucking be honest. <laughs> I, I don't like this whole, like, oh, we've released them on a consistent basis until now, and we're giving you no answers, and no reasons, and just vague as fuck uh, release dates that come and go. We yeah. better get season six <laughs> as well, if you're doing, if you're delaying shit this far. Yeah, that's weird. I don't. Uh, who knows with how all this stuff works? I, I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe that by the time we post this podcast, the 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 the, the season will be available. That that'll probably be. Uh, <laughs> I would not be surprised if that happened. But anyway, uh, oh, I yeah, thought let's... about one more thing I wanted to mention. Uh, so as a lot of you know, this is episode number forty nine. Uh, our next episode will be episode number fifty, and it will also weirdly enough coincide with our well i guess it's not that weird our uh one year anniversary of the podcast because if you think there's like what 52 weeks in a year uh we've done this podcast every week now so uh yeah i guess it's it would make sense that it would coincide but anyway 
we want we want you kids to be a part of the uh, adventure uh, because you're the ones who um, pretty much. Because I'll put it this way: if we had did the if we had done the podcast and we had five listeners and that's all we had this whole year and and maybe it grew to 15 listeners i i don't know if i would keep i would have kept doing it honestly yeah uh, me too this does to be of, perfectly honest yeah this does take time out of my schedule uh to to produce the podcast and to edit it and all those outtakes and the music and the editing uh, you know it all takes time on my on my part it takes both of our time on wednesday to record um, we both have YouTube channels and other things we could be working on, so we have to, you know, set aside time for this. But that wasn't what happened. Uh, it became almost instantly something that a lot of people were listening to and talking about. So it's definitely worth it for me and Mike to keep doing it, and we want to just see it grow more. So, you know, I don't know about other people and other channels and other podcasts where they just kind of take their listeners for granted. That's the last thing I, I do and the last thing I want. I don't, yeah, I don't do that at all. So we want we want to make you a part of it. Yeah. So um, on our Facebook group, you really need to join the Facebook group. Uh, it's a really fun group. It's called Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. You can find it on Facebook. I have to keep reiterating because some people need that reiteration. Uh, the, at the top of the page, there's an email address. It's um, dancingwithghosts, and then the number two at yahoo.com. I want you to send me any stories that you have about uh, scary stories that happened to you, any recollections of the podcasts, how you first found us, etc., any questions you have for us, or if you want to insult us right to our faces, that, that, that's totally fine, too. Um, you can send it to that email address again. It's dancing, D-A-N-C-I-N-G, with W-I-T-H, ghost, G-H-O-S-T-S, and then the number two at yahoo.com. And just send us anything, man. We've already gotten, uh, we've got probably about six or seven emails so far. I'd like to get some more. I know there's a lot of dedicated listeners out there. Don't be Well, we have some other stuff where people have uh, left some messages before on the group. Um, and I, I think that would be a fun thing to cover some of those uh, comments that some of our uh, listeners and members of the group left. Because the kind of thing we want from you guys and gals is, you know, kind of stories, you know, that you have that could, you know, they might be Unsolved Mysteries related or they might not be. You know, just kind of stuff that, you know, kind of a scary story, stuff like that, or things that you experience in your life that, you know, were, you know, something you thought was unexplained or weird. Uh, and also, you know, what your recollections are of the show and what it means to you. Totally McScrotally. Yeah, what he said. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, so let's get into this shit, shall we? Let's start with your case first, Mike. All right, uh, this is a case I honestly handpicked a long time ago, and I guess I just forgot the name of the person, <laughs> so it just kind of went by the wayside. Uh, this is the case of Maria Armstrong, and I, w- I picked this one because I think it really is an important episode, an important segment that people should watch to really show people how important it is to do the right thing when it comes to handling people with mental illnesses. 
yes, you can be there to help them, but you cannot do it alone. So, this is a case of Maria Armstrong. Maria Armstrong grew up in South New Jersey. Her boyfriend, Robert Neal Ron Argenti, graduated at 17, and he joined the National Guard. In 1984, he moved to Mesa, Arizona, and he began working for McDonnell Douglas, which is a helicopter company. He's building helicopters and things like that. Now, this is all, like, kind of out of order to where the segment... The segment, I thought, was really well put together. I, I like the way the reenactment is structured. I like how it opens up with her just wandering around some Navajo uh, reservation. And people are like, well, who is this woman? And then you find out as the segment goes on the whole truth behind why she's wandering around and trying to hide in this reservation. So... At the same time, Maria, still in New Jersey, began acting strangely. Um, he ended up, uh, yeah, Robert, he was infatuated with her. You could see why she was a really, she's a really beautiful woman. Totally. Um, you could see why he was attracted to her. Um, and things seemed to be fine until she started to act strangely and she began slipping into a world of delusion and paranoia. At first, her parents feared that she was using drugs, like most people would think. Uh, they had her committed to the state mental hospital, and then the doctors diagnosed her as having paranoid schizophrenia. Uh, this is something that apparently starts to affect people in their teens and early 20s, and that's just... It's really, really tragic and sad, because it's one of those things where you have no... There's no preparation for this. Everything is fine. You're fine. Everything in your life is fine. Everything is great. And then, bam, you're just having these delusions. You're you're losing your mind, pretty much. And your life is turned completely upside down. Yeah. Um, I have a, a really good friend, actually. And uh, she she's a recovering um, schizophrenia sufferer. Um, and she's actually, she's on medication now and, and to talk to her, she seems, you know, completely normal, completely sane, but man, if she sat down and told you about all the stuff that she went through, you would be amazed because she's on meds now and she's sane and, and it allows her to be able to recall these crazy things that happened to her and she can recall them and talk about them with a sane mind now. So it's like, oh yeah, I totally thought my mom had this, always had this evil, contorted, like demonic face. And she was saying how she could see auras around people and buildings. And um, she she would almost have like extra sensory kind of perception. She would perceive that um, things and people were around when... Uh, there was no way that she could actually see them. And then turns out, like, she was telling me one story where she was actually running away from her family because she thought that they were all, like, after her. And, like, miles down this road, uh, she sensed her stepdad was there in his car. and um, But she couldn't see him. It was pitch black out where she was at. And turns out he actually was down the road and, and with, you know, but there was no way she could have known, but she like perceived that he was there. It was just, it's almost as if schizophrenia almost taps into a side of your brain that 
I mean, I personally wonder myself, like, if there was some way to harness the kind of extra perception that you have and you can, like, weed out the delusions and the all that, it's almost like I wonder if schizophrenics are almost accessing a part of their brain that normal people don't access, you know, that... Well, you know, that's a possibility, but it could also be that the schizophrenia itself is what is creating these things. So the only reason why they perceive to have all these ESP-type sort of things is because of the delusions and because of the hallucinations that are being caused in their brain because of schizophrenia. So Ron, like... Most loving boyfriends, you know, he, 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 you know, he wanted to be there for her and he wanted to help her and, and so on. So he was doing what he felt was the right thing. So he convinced Marie to move to Arizona and live with him. In June of 1988, she moved to Mesa. Ron hoped that he could help her with her problems. And this is where I really think I need to hammer this point home. Yes, you can be there. You can help someone with who's in a situation like this, but you absolutely cannot do it by yourself. You need to have some extra help, um, whether it's from a medical professional or something. Uh, Sometimes there are people like this who really should honestly be in a mental institution, uh, you know, be there in a place where they can get the treatment that they need. Just you being there and supportive is not enough. No. It really isn't. No, because the the paranoid kind of schizophrenic mind it's it, unpredictable. It, you could you could have somebody like I I even I was talking to my friend who's recovering from schizophrenia and I even asked her I was like if you relapse again, would you be weird even about me? Like even though we're so close, you know? Like would you not trust me? And she's like no, I wouldn't, because in my mind, I would think that you would have some ulterior motive in that you were lying about, you know, being my friend, or you'd be, yeah, there'd be some something going on, you know, that you're, you'd be deceiving me somehow, and that's what I would truly mm-hmm. believe, and it's like, oh, wow, okay. So it's like... So his family, Aron's family, was understandably concerned for their safety since she had been in a mental institution. For the first few weeks, though... Everything seemed to be fine. She seemed to be adjusting to living there well. And then when Ron started to work the graveyard shift, that's where things started to deteriorate. Things started to get worse. Uh, her paranoia would flare up again since she would be alone for long periods of time. Also, a neighbor in their apartment complex began supplying her with drugs, which definitely did not help. I don't remember that being mentioned in the segment, so that must have been something that they found later. She accused him of plotting against her and began to physically attack him. Uh, When his family heard about her problems, they tried to convince him to take her to a mental hospital. Uh, Finally, on November 8th, 1988, he had enough of her, and he told his sister that he was going to have her go back to New Jersey. And he did this while he was in the room with her. And the reenactment did a great job showing her going through her delusions and things like that. The actress was really great, in my opinion. So, you know, she's doing this pacing around, talking to herself, and so on. Uh, And the next day, though, however, she drove to a Navajo reservation called Bitter Springs the day after the phone call. She was driving his car and trying to sell it, and she was also going by the name Sandy. Uh, She was asking some residents where she could get it painted. 
Some residents noticed that she was behaving very strangely. She was seen talking to herself and even walked into some homes uninvited. Can you imagine that? Just like hanging out at your house and then some woman just walks into your house completely uninvited. I'd be like, whoa, a chick. See, that's a, I think that's the difference between men and women because I think a woman could just do that and I think most people would be like, oh, hey, what's going on? I think if a guy just like wandered into your house, you'd be like... Oh, like that guy who was there trying to sell you something? <laughs> like it... Oh, what yeah, the, the guy... Late at night? Yeah. No, no, he, he came during the day. The late at night guy was t- saying his daughter something or other and he needed like a gas can or something. But Yeah, no. like that guy. So, I mean, if it was a woman, would you feel the same way about that situation? No. I, the I gas would, can I would, lady? I would definitely be more receptive uh, to what they had to say, especially if they were an attractive woman. I'm sorry, folks. That sounds bad, but that's, <laughs> that's just the way it is. You know what I mean? That's just, that's just the way it is. So, anyway, she was seen talking to herself. She walked into some homes uninvited. She also asked one woman to dye her hair blonde. The next morning, the Arizona Highway Patrol was called to a residence in Bitter Springs. She had left her car there, and the residents believed that it was stolen. First off, the name Bitter... I mean, the name Bitter Springs, like, that's not really... It's not the best name for a uh, housing development. Yeah, what's up with, like, these places in Unsolved Mysteries having these foreboding-ass names? Like, uh, what was that inner, that rest stop that the guy stopped at? Bad route. Bad route, you know? Like, you know, what's up... <laughs> It's almost like a joke at this point. Like, are you serious? There's no way that's what it's really called. And it's like, well, yeah, that is. All right. So the highway patrol was called to a residence in Bitter Springs. She had left the car there, and the residents believed that it was stolen. The officer later found her hiding in a nearby house and questioned her. He didn't have any reason to hold her at the time, although he did feel suspicious about the incident. Understandably so. It's like this weird woman. She's not really a part of this reservation. She's just hanging out. Four days later, on November 14th, the maintenance man at Ron's apartment noticed a stack of newspapers in front of his door. The maintenance man and the manager went inside, and they found Ron's body, hidden under several blankets and pillows. He had been killed by several blows to the head, and a sledgehammer was found next to him. The autopsy also revealed that he had also been stabbed once in the side with a wood-handled knife. God damn, that's overkill. Yeah, it really is. And and that's another thing that just makes this segment stand out. It's it's one of those things it's just like, why can you imagine being that person, the maintenance man who finds that gruesome scene? Oh, I'll tell you what, I don't get paid enough for this goddamn job. That's what I'd be saying. And so, yeah, it, it, it's just the just how brutal it is. I mean, several blows to the head, a, a sledgehammer, and it's a it's a smaller sledgehammer. It's not. It wasn't like the big hammer. It was like you know the handheld type of sledgehammer. It wasn't like the Peter Gabriel sledgehammer. No, sledgehammer. All right. So uh, the autopsy the autopsy revealed he'd been stabbed, and authorities believe that while he was this happened while he was sleeping in a sitting position on the couch, and Maria beat him to death and then covered his body. Because he was he was sleeping on the couch, sitting up because he was afraid already of his life. I mean, I I don't know about you. I would have if I was that freaked out. I would have 
stayed at a hotel or something. Man, she must have been screwing his brains out for him to want to stay with that that kind of crazy. Because Apparently. That's the only thing I can think of because it's like, why? Okay, like, you know, I, I get it. You know, like, I, I like an attractive... He's trying to help her as well. That's his whole... Maybe well, that's the kind of person yeah, he is. He saying. wants to help somebody... You know, I, I don't think I don't think a young guy like that is going to be that generous to want to just help someone. I think he was, you know, into her and I think he was willing to put up with a lot of her stuff. Well, who wouldn't be? She was a beautiful woman. I well, can get it. That's what I'm I get saying. That. But like and I appreciate that just as much as the next guy. But for me, uh, there are certain like parameters that I just don't mess with, no matter how attractive the girl is. If she's got a drug problem that's yeah. that's a no. If she's got some kind of severe mental illness, nothing against her, but you know you need to get help. I just I don't. Well, even yeah, especially that. if she doesn't, because she didn't take her meds. She wasn't taking her meds. She was on drugs. That's another thing I don't understand. Like, especially coming uh, from my friend who uh, is 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 a recovering schizophrenic. My friend would never dream of not taking her meds. Like, she would never mm-hmm. even consider. Not like she knows exactly what will happen if she stops taking her meds. She'll basically, I mean, the doctors told her that if you stop taking your medic, and this is a lot of times this is how schizophrenia works. If you stop taking your medication once that they've diagnosed you and you're on meds, they said the chances of you coming back from another schizophrenic episode is very slim. It's very, yeah. it's a lot harder it is. to come back once you have stopped taking meds and and if you do it like a third time it's almost impossible to come back yeah so knowing that my friend i almost keep saying her name i gotta remember to not do that um because i don't think she wants to be outed (laughs) um because she is living such a normal life you know it's like what you know if 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 people don't have to know then why tell them you know well it's it's kind of it's like my stepdad you know he had another uh breakdown um, he, it was, we were lucky that he was actually safe and sound because it happened all on the road. Um, and the only reason why he was off his meds this time was because the doctors actually, for some stupid reason, said that he could do that. And obviously that's not what happened. Uh, so, uh, you know, and he's not schizophrenic. It's a different sort of thing. It's psychosis and stuff like that. Yeah. There's different types of mental illness. Schizophrenia is one of them. Uh, that's another thing that people, I think, are kind of ignorant about, and I think they need to learn and read up some more. Because a lot of people, when they hear mental illness, they just automatically think of something like schizophrenia. Yeah, and they and they also think, you know, the person's going to be violent, they're going to try to hurt you, something like that. You know, if they're on their medication and they have sought out treatment then no you should be it should be fine you know there shouldn't be a problem um, yeah because when my stepdad's on his meds he's fine and even when he was you know psychotic he wasn't violent or anything so i mean you know that that's there are different types of psychosis um this just happened to be one of those cases where she got really violent and uh it would and it's just extremely tragic. I mean, I do believe the guy did try to help. I do think, you know, there are people like that, Josh, who are, are very, you know, chivalrous. You know, they, they want to do everything they can to help somebody, especially somebody that they are infatuated with, somebody that they love. 
and I can see why he was doing what he was doing, but he needed to get more help. And I think if he did, if he tried not to do this by himself, I think he'd still be alive. I know for a fact uh, that I had this friend who was particularly gorgeous, and everyone thought so. But she was nuts. Uh, she had really bad anger issues, and she did crazy shit. Like if she got angry at someone, she would do. She would just do crazy stuff. She was very mentally unstable. I don't know exactly what the diagnosis is with her. I don't know if she has been diagnosed, but it would be extreme bipolar if I had to guess. And she would have all these. No, she had. Yeah, she would have all these guys. Um, who she would do, and this one guy, because she used to date my store manager for the store that I used to work at, and she would smash his dishes. She would. Uh, she she ultimately ended up crashing his one of his. I forget what kind of car it was. It was a nice car. It was like a Camaro or something. She ended up driving. Yeah, she ended up driving it into a tree, and she went to a hos- the hospital and was like there, laid up for a long time because she got really pissed off at him, dude. If she didn't look as gorgeous as she did, no guy would have put up with that shit for as long she's as... crazy. Yeah, no, she's nuts. I call... I'm not going to say her name, but I call her... I put crazy in front of the name whenever I refer to her. Insane in the membrane. Yeah, no, she's nuts. And I just know for a fact that if she wasn't a 10 out of 10, no one would yeah. deal with that. So I'm saying, like, yeah. that does play a part in it. It's not the entire thing, but, yeah. Well, yeah, I know. I, I get what you mean, and I can totally... I do think, yeah, she was attractive, and that's another reason why he was willing to stick with her for so long. But I also do feel that he genuinely did care for her, and he genuinely did love her. Possibly. And he wanted to do everything he could to help her, but he just didn't think it through as well as he should have. Um, You know... And some people, they also just, the kind of person that they are, they don't want to get extra help. They're just like, they're stubborn. They're like, I can do this. I can help her. I don't need anybody you know, else. I'm her boyfriend. I can help her. We can make this work. And there's multiple cases like this where this has happened. And a lot of the times, this does not end well. Um, and... Sometimes it ends in murder and death, like in this case. So she, after she killed him, she took his car to Bitter, Bitter Springs. And she was last seen on November 11th, 1988, hitchhiking 260 miles north of Mesa. The police are looking for clues as to where she is. Uh, this was on uh, a season two episode, and it's on Amazon Prime, so you can check it out. I believe it's episode nine. So she actually got captured because the story uh, re-aired. Uh, the viewer, a viewer, contacted the FBI, stating that Armstrong was living in the Memphis, Tennessee area. The viewer said that she was going to be at the Memphis airport on August third, nineteen ninety. The FBI went to the airport and was able to locate and arrest her without incident. During her time on the run, she had changed her appearance by dyeing her hair blonde, like she was trying to get some of the Native Americans to do at the uh, Bitter Springs reservation. She had told authorities that she was planning to fly to New Jersey to be reunited with her family. Two weeks after her arrest, Armstrong was returned to Arizona to face first-degree murder charges. However, while waiting to determine her mental state, she decided to plead guilty to second-degree murder and was sentenced to 15 years in prison. She was released in 2005 after serving 13 years. Now, I don't... I, 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 is it really second-degree murder? You know, murder? 
I mean, do you think she served enough time for what she did? Well, you know, the whole thing is, is that it, that premeditation is like the big deal with murders, right? I mean, if it, yeah. if, if 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 they are able to prove that you put thought and you knowingly di- took someone's life, then you deserve basically your own life to be taken in the form but of... But she didn't take her meds. She knowingly did not take her medicine. I th- she knowingly took drugs. It's kind of one of those things, like, the, the chain of negligence is is kind of long to where it's kind of hard to say that this was all a big conspiracy to kill this guy. Well, yeah, I know. I so, know. it's like, did she knowingly do it no she she was crazy she probably thought that that he was trying to kill her or that he was he was sending voices in her head or something like that I, the the way that she did it though i mean tying him up pillows all this it seems pretty pretty complex for someone who is supposedly just not able to really function properly because they're so insane they're so you know riddled with schizophrenia they can't even think straight i mean what she did i mean that's that's pretty i don't know it seems pretty complex to me for someone who's in a state like that yeah i mean it's it's hard it's hard to say really but you know it is but murder is murder to me to be perfectly honest i mean when you take a life you take a life and you know i hope she's served her time and she did serve her time but i hope she's learned to take her medicine at least i hope i hope she's done that <laughs> and isn't on drugs well you know because i'm pretty sure drugs would probably uh accelerate or you know make symptoms of schizophrenia possibly even worse oh yeah no if you have schizophrenia and you're on meds and stuff you you you're you, you like doing any kind of drug is completely off the table as far as like if you ever want to feel normal because yeah, that's that totally interferes with the medication. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, hey, if she's gotten help and all that, she has to live with the fact that she took someone else's life for the rest of her life yeah. under this crazy state that she was in, and that's probably something. That's probably a punishment worse than any kind of jail sentence that yeah. you could give someone. Yeah, I mean, I know it sounds kind of like a cop out to a certain extent, but hey. If she was totally sane and did this, I'd be like, oh, yeah, you need to lock that bitch up and throw away the key. But given, you know, that I do have an appreciation for the sensitivity. I do, too. It's just the whole thing where she just knowingly did not take her medicine and and all this other stuff that, in essence, led to this uh, happening. If she took her meds, if she wasn't didn't decide to buy drugs from a friend and take those. You could argue that Ron would not be dead. Or more than likely would not be dead. And then another way you got to look at it is there that you know another way that you know that she did that this out of complete craziness was there's just no motive for her to kill him. You know. No. There was no motive. No, she no just, there there isn't. I mean, I'm not saying she did it knowingly. It, it's just I, I just the whole thing, the cycle of events just upsets me. To be yeah, honest. yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's an upsetting case, you know. So um, I don't have anything else to say about this case except, uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so 
The next case uh, is one that I think was a request. It was a request, and uh, do you think for a second I know who requested it? No, I do well, not. Well, whoever, whoever requested this has excellent taste. Yes, I will agree. Um, I cannot believe this particular case was not on the Bizarre Murders box set, because this is definitely a bizarre murder, and it is also a really excellent case, and quite possibly the bloodiest segment I have seen of the show. Yes, this is the case of Brad Bishop. Um, who's also known as William Bishop. But yeah, Brad William Bishop. So the segment starts out with, um, like, this fire or whatever in the woods, and it's saying, on March 2nd, 1976, a state park ranger in Columbia, North Carolina, responded to a report of a brush fire in a remote wooded area. As the ranger brought the fire under control, he found an empty gas can and a shovel. When the smoke cleared, the ranger also discovered the remains of five partially charred bodies in a shallow grave, three young boys and two women. The victims' clothes had labels from expensive department stores in Bethesda, Maryland. Bethesda is also a video game company. The shovel came from a hardware (laughs) store in the same area. However, the Bethesda police had no missing persons reports they could link to the bodies until six days later. The call came from a neighbor of William Bradford Bishop, a respected economist, economist with the State Department. Lieutenant Joe Sargent, oh, what a fitting name. If your last name's Sargent, I think you pretty much have to enter either law enforcement or the military. Uh, <laughs> Lieutenant Joe Sargent of the Montgomery County Police Department was the first to arrive at the Bishop home. Now, before you get to this excellent quote, this really is a fantastic quote from uh, the Lieutenant Joe Sargent, from Lieutenant Joe, um, I want to point out how great this reenactment is. Like, from the very beginning, it just grabs you by the throat. Yeah. You have this whole stuff with the fire, and that's mysterious enough in itself. You find the charred bodies. And then the the cherry on top of the Sunday for me is the score. Like the music is really on point in this in this particular segment. So Lieutenant Joe Sargent is quoted as saying, "There was a common driveway to the neighbor's home into the Bishop home, and I met the neighbor there to investigate the whereabouts of the family. It was rather routine to do an investigation like this. It's not unusual, and I wasn't overly concerned about it until I reached the front step of the home and I noticed there were blood drops on the front step." Upon opening the front door, I saw blood droplets leading from the hallway through the foyer up to a set of stairs that led to the upper bedroom level of the door of the home. Uh, In going upstairs, I observed blood splatterings on the wall, and in one of the bedrooms that I could see into, almost the entire ceiling and wall was completely splattered with blood. There was hardly a place you, you could there was hardly a place you could put your hand where there wasn't blood splatterings. I'd been a police officer for approximately 12 years, and this was the worst scene that I'd ever observed. And they did a really phenomenal job with this recreation here. Um, This is where I mean, like, it's the bloodiest segment I could think of, of the show. Uh, They don't show everything, but it's still a lot. There's, There's clearly a lot of blood in this home. Like, all over the place. Yeah. And they show enough that it's just sickening and it sends chills down your spine just by seeing it but it doesn't overdo it to the point where it's just it just seems like it's crass 
Yeah, you know, which, and, I mean, we were talking earlier for the bonus segment. Like, I, I feel like that's something a lot of shows do nowadays, especially a lot of the uh, kind of murder mystery shows. I feel like one of the tricks in their bag is to just go over the top. Shock. Over the top, shock, violence, gore. And yeah. that that's what they use to, you know, make their mark as a show. You know, like I was, I did a video about on my YouTube channel dancing youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts uh i did a video on my youtube channel comparing like all the ghost tv shows that were out and uh the show ghost adventures had this um see, uh, episode at a prison where uh just the trailer for the show they showed some prisoner uh getting a, a shiv or a shank shoved in his throat like this metal shiv just being jammed into his throat and I'm just sitting at this, looking at this, going, "Good Lord, man! Like this, this is like intense." And like they're showing it right as they're showing in the bottom of the co- the corner of the screen, it says like PG thirteen or PG yeah. in the corner. I'm like, "What the well, hell?" I I am what you call a gorehound. Uh, I do appreciate uh, the artistry of the makeup effects artists and stuff like that when it comes to stuff like that. Um, in horror films and slasher movies and stuff like that. But that's a whole different sort of thing. What I don't like just senseless stuff. And I, and I think that, it, you know, when it goes too far, like a Serbian film or something like that, I mean, newborn baby rape is just a line. What the In my fuck? opinion, you should never cross. What? What are you talking about? Serbian film? What is this? Yeah, it's a, it's a fucking piece of shit movie. That's what it is. Oh my God. That's like, again, sounds like a snuff film to me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it is. there are some stuff film elements to it, that's for sure. Fucking garbage like August Underground. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just... They showed enough for you to get the point, and then everything is just brought to a whole nother level of just eerie with the quotes from the lieutenant. I mean, this is, it, this is just going to stick with me. Like, I'm not going to forget this, where he's all talking about how, you know, there were blood drops, you know, there were blood droplets leading from the doorway through the foyer and up a set of stairs that led to the upper bedroom level of the home. And going up the stairs, I observed blood splatterings on the wall, and in one bedroom I could see into, almost the entire ceiling and wall was completely splattered with blood. There was hardly a place you could put your hand where there wasn't blood splatterings. I mean, that quote is unforgettable to me. It just sends chills down my spine just thinking about it. Yeah, I'm glad. Just reading it. I'm glad I wasn't uh, Joe Sargent in that situation. I would have been like, I don't know. I would have needed some. Uh, That's the kind of thing that you think you only see in a slasher movie. This is not stuff that you're used to seeing in in reality, in real life. Yeah, that's got to be surreal to see that in person. So authorities were finally able to identify the five bodies. Brad Bishop's wife, Annette, his three sons, and his mother. There was no sign of Brad Bishop. Was this he guy's a son of a bitch. <laughs> was he also a victim? Mike has decided he is not. <laughs> or, or was there a far more sinister explanation for his disappearance? There's a far more sinister explanation. <laughs> Bishop worked for the State Department as a director of commercial practices and trade, so he kind of had a high position, which makes this all the more uh, American Psycho-esque to me. Yeah. To most of his co-workers, he seemed to be on the fast track to a high-level job. But a co-worker, Ray A. Harrell, saw a different side of Brad Bishop. Quoting Harrell, Brad Bishop had extensive experience overseas. 
He liked the international scene from time to time. He was in the army in Italy. Brad's career was very much on track, although he was exceedingly despondent about not getting a promotion. Roy ran into Bishop just outside of the State Department on the day the annual promotion list came out. Bishop said he had been once again passed over a promotion. According to Roy, he said, I think I'm getting the flu. I don't feel well at all, and it's the reason I'm leaving work now. So I helped him hail a taxi, and I watched him drive out. Now, also what happened in that scene was... You know, he Brad's talking about, oh, I didn't get the promotion. And his friend Roy was saying, I didn't get the promotion either. And Brad kind of snapped at him, and he was like, oh, I'm a lot more qualified than you are. And that's that's when he kind of, like, you know, had to retract and be like, oh, I'm sorry, I think I'm getting the flu, blah, blah. So the next day, Brad Bishop's family was found dead, and he had disappeared. On March 18, 1976, almost three weeks after the murders, a ranger in Tennessee discovered an abandoned station wagon. In the back, he found what looked like dried blood. The car was registered to William Bradford Bishop. Bishop was now the prime suspect in the slaying of his own family. Wiley D. Thompson was an assistant special agent with Baltimore FBI. He's quoted as saying, The courts will have to determine whether Brad Bishop is guilty of killing his family, but there was enough evidence for a warrant to be issued for his arrest for homicide. Based on the fact that he appeared to be uh, premeditated in connection with the events that occurred on March 1st. The authorities pieced together Bishop's activities leading up to the murders. According to Lieutenant Sergeant, I can't get over that name, uh, on the day he left the State Department, Bishop withdrew several hundred dollars from his bank account and went to a local hardware store and gas station. Quote, And as far as we know, after that he returned to his home, probably around 7.30 or 8 at night, after the children were put to bed. End quote. The, the reenactment, I wanted to mention this real quick, uh, where they show him going to the hardware store was also really well done. There's just something very just unsettling and disturbing about this scene for me. Like he was just going in and buying the tools of destruction, you know, like multiple hammers, a rake, a shovel. Yeah, unlike the kind of stuff that. You don't usually buy in bulk, yeah. <laughs> like hammers all in, in one sitting. Yeah, unlike yeah. the unlike the last case, this screams premeditation like a motherfucker. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so the assistant special agent Thompson was quoted as saying, "Our investigation shows that Miss Bishop was probably killed first. She was found beside a book, which she may have been reading at the time that she was killed. Which is so fucking shitty, man. Uh, just, just... Your fucking wife is in bed reading a book. I mean, is there any more innocent, innocent of a sight than that? You can, I, I just, I don't understand the mindset of someone who could do that. And then he go- I don't either. He goes on to say the children were probably killed next, uh, followed by Bishop's mother. They were all fuck this guy. Yeah, really. Fuck, fuck Brad. They were all killed with a blunt instrument, and none of the victims had an opportunity to defend themselves. According to the FBI, Bishop loaded the five bodies into the family station wagon and headed 200 miles north to the countryside near Columbia, North Carolina. Now, if you can think of a more soulless son of a bitch than this guy, I mean, this guy was masquerading as a human being, but I don't think he is a human being. I really don't. I think he's some kind of alien life form that 
that is soulless and is just playing the part of a human. He's a, he's, he's a, he's a textbook sociopath with psychopathic tendencies. They, the type of person who doesn't really have any true emotion or sympathy for human life or other human beings. These are the type of people who should not be uh, able or allowed to work or be a part of society, in my opinion. They should be locked up, or they should be put to death. How the hell the guy was able to make it this long, I I, I don't know. Like, I, I guess... It's, there are a lot of really clever sociopaths who are in high positions in business... And in politics, yeah, I mean that's how a lot of them get to the top is because they are they they have these sociopathic tendencies. So, uh, according to Bishop's coworker Ray Harrell, Bishop suffered from feelings of inadequacy. Brad Bishop felt from the time I knew him that there was something lacking in himself. This feeling was nourished and constantly by both his mother and to some degree his wife who constantly told him that he was inadequate and washed up and wasn't going anywhere in his career. And I think that he conceived in his mind that this was a way to, as he often said many times about other people, this would be a way of putting them in their place. I, I don't I don't necessarily buy that. I don't really... I really don't, because it's coming from him and, you know, from... This guy is capable of... Just such horrific crimes uh, uh, to humanity and to, to take away human life. I, I really don't see how this this is a person who's just like, oh, he was just uh, he. Everyone was telling him he sucked, and that's why he snapped. I don't. I don't necessarily buy that. I really don't. It's like really okay, okay. Well, you know, if we're going on that paper thin tra- uh, trail of logic, there, then why the hell would he kill his three kids? Yeah. You know, I mean, okay, you kill your... Were his, kid, were his kids in on it, too? Yeah. You suck, Daddy! Dad, you're nobody. You're washed up. You know, like... You're inadequate, Dad. Mom says no. you have a small penis. Maybe maybe that one was too far. I don't know. Uh, but no, like, you know, okay, yeah, it would suck to have a nagging mother and, and wife tell you that you're washed up and that you're not going anywhere. But doesn't mean you should kill yeah, them. Yeah, doesn't mean you should kill them and take out three innocent lives. I mean, even if your kids are being little shits, that's the whole deal with kids. They're allowed to be little dickheads for a while until they get older, and you know, then society holds them accountable. But you know, like, still, I mean, there's nothing. There, it's like we're trying to pull some kind of ration rationale from this or play devil's advocate here to a small extent. But I can't even do that. There's no way I can't. No, there's no way you can be on on the side of this guy in any way, shape, or form. Um, no, unless you are a sociopath. <laughs> yeah, which I'm sure. So um, I'm sure we have at least one sociopathic listener. So I mean, Roy, and then when he when he's quoted and he says this would be a way of putting them in their place, as he has often said many times about other people. I mean, that to me is a red flag immediately. This is a guy who was saying st- stuff like this before. He just never really enacted it he never really went in and actually did the things that he said he was going to do but then he went and did it and killed his wife his mother his mother his kids loaded them up in the family station wagon i mean that is like the most 
crazy twisted way i i'm just thinking of like i mean the the family station wagon i mean that's he definitely did twist that around yeah yeah family it into fa- family hearse family murder wagon so after buying a pair of tennis shoes near the site of the fire, Bishop drove 400 miles to the Great Smoky Mountains in Tennessee where his station wagon was found abandoned. Brad Bishop successfully covered his tracks and was not seen for two whole years. Goddamn. Then in 1978, 5,000 miles away in Sorrento, Italy, a bizarre coincidence. Roy Harrell says he came face-to-face with Bishop okay. in a bus station restroom. This is one moment where the reenactment isn't as solid as it was for the majority of the running time, but it's still a classic moment for me because it is one of the most unintentionally hilarious moments I have ever seen so, in the show. So, Roy Harrell goes, I was washing my hands and this bearded, disheveled looking man came in. In my mind's eye, I took the beard and his grubby clothes off him and I saw the Brad Bishop I had seen coming out of the State Department. I followed him and watched him disappear down the cliffs going towards the boat landing where the boats go to Capri. So uh, how exactly did he react when... Uh, how did Brad Bishop react when... Uh, this, this is... First off, you have just the sight of this disheveled guy. Uh, you can tell it's a wig and a fake beard and all of that. But it's just this homeless-looking guy. And then you have uh, Roy. He's all like... He sees him. And he's all like, you're Brad Bishop, aren't you? And then his reaction is just classic. And he's like, oh my god! No! (laughs) And then runs runs off. Yeah, that's that's what's so funny about these, like, you know, these serial killers. It's like, now all of a sudden he's this scared little bitch. (laughs) Yeah, what happened, man? I thought you were the cold-blooded, you know, unfeeling killer, and now all of a sudden you're afraid of one of your contemporaries? This this does remind me of American Psycho in a lot of senses. Because, like, you know, Christian Bale's character goes out and he kills all these people and he doesn't give a shit. But he yet, you know, he doesn't want to look bad to the people that he works with. Yeah. It's a great movie, by the way, if you guys haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, it, it. it is an excellent film. But, I mean, yeah, that that is just... That, that is a moment of comedy gold right there. Um, it, it, the acting is as bad to me in that scene as it is in Troll 2, where, <laughs> Troll 2, where the kid's like, Oh, my God, they're eating her! And he was like, Oh, my God! They're eating her, and then they're going to eat me. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, You know, I might actually put that clip in here, because that's like the second time we've mentioned this, so I'm going to make a note of that to put that in. Oh, my God, no! <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, Bishop is wanted by the FBI, Interpol, and the U.S. Marshals. He has evaded capture for over 30 years. Authorities believe he is living in Europe. However, we, ha- we do have an update. On October 8, 2014, the FBI announced a new theory as to William Bishop's whereabouts. He may have been killed by a hit-and-run driver in Alabama in 1981 and become a John Doe. The DNA results came back, and they are not a match. William's bis- Well, that's a fucking disappointment up- disappointing update. This, uh-huh. this guy's still missing. Yeah, he is. Can you believe that? Dear Lord. Yep. You know, I-, I feel like they intentionally, like, well, I don't think Unsolved Mysteries does this, but like... If I it- mean, apparently he was also last seen on September 19th, 1994 in Basel, Switzerland. 
On April 10th, 2014, he was added to the FBI's top 10 most wanted list. He was uh, The case was covered on Unsolved Mysteries. It was also pro- profiled on America's Most Wanted. And uh, the new version of that show, The Hunt, with John Walsh. God, John Walsh. He's still out there. John Walsh has got to be an old old fart at this point. He was still out there. He was old back when uh, back when I watched the America's Most Wanted when I was a kid. And now I'm like 50, so I know he's got to be, you know, in his hundreds. <laughs> You're not that old. I'm getting him close. Um, yeah, it's crazy that he's still out there after killing all these people, and it's and it's like. You know, it's funny, like, Unsolved Mysteries will, will unabashedly air these kind of episodes where the guy still isn't caught, and I feel like a lot of times they try to keep that out of uh, public knowledge that, hey, kids, you can do you can do a crime and not get punished and you can get away with it. Um, well, it, like they said in the segment, the, the police were actually talking about how he actually w- had the perfect opportunity to get away with it because... The bodies were found in a certain amount of time, and then the the evidence in the house wasn't found until later, and then his car wasn't found until later. So he had like two weeks to get out, to get out of state. Yeah, and time is of the essence. Which is, in which is a lot of time. Yeah. All right, gang, our last segment of the podcast is uh, going to be our new series called News of the Bazaar. And that is where we talk about bizarre news, uh, weird things, weird quirky stuff. I hope that blue whale thing didn't depress you guys too bad last week. I haven't had anybody say anything about it, so I guess it's fine. Um, That was really dark, man. That, like, stuck with me even after... We got done doing the episode last week. When I went to my gig, I was like, God damn, that's uh, really fucked up. Uh, so this week, I wanted to talk about something that um, I heard about because somebody that I used to went, that someone that I used to go to high school with is doing this. And um. It's it's gross. There's really no way I can get around this. It's disgusting, and I was intrigued, and I think it's definitely bizarre. So, I went to a private Christian school, and we recently had our 10-year high school reunion. One girl wasn't able to make it. She apparently took a very different path than most of the other kids who stayed in their close-knit little Christianly circles. I mean, I took my own path in the sense that I'm agnostic and I just kind of do my own thing. I don't really subscribe to the whole Christianity thing anymore, but I respect other people's views, etc. She, on the other hand, went in the completely opposite direction, and she's actually into, like, voodoo and uh, the Wiccan religion um, and all that other kind of stuff. I was friends with her on Instagram, and she posted one time a picture of her, like, legs, and at the bottom was her underwear around her ankles, and you could see blood, and she, in the caption said something to the extent of, (laughs) yeah, it said something to the extent of, like, I started, I don't know what the fuck she said. But, 
you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm a pretty open-minded, pretty liberal on a lot of like social oh, on man. social things. I'm very liberal, not so much maybe on ec- economics, but socially, I'm pretty liberal. So, but even for me, I was like. I commented, I was like, ew, like, what the fuck? And she goes, uh, <laughs> and she, like, attacked me. She was like, she said something like, you know, typical blah, 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 you know. So she said something very condescending. And I go, no, dude, you're posting pictures of your fucking blood-soaked period underwear. That's too much information do you want me do you want me to post a picture of a shit that i took yesterday exactly i mean it's the same thing your body does grow shit sometimes and it's that's why there's a door on the bathroom so you can do that shit in private Uh uh-huh yeah and so that's like this guy on youtube who kept his girlfriend's blood-soaked period pad for a year because he liked banging her when she was on her period and it turned him on or something that's so disgusting so it is so i so i'm so is this so instead you know taking a picture of your blood-soaked period underwear and putting it on facebook like so flash forward to the 10-year reunion right (laughs) so i'm at the 10-year reunion and the guy organizing it another guy i went to high school with goes hey you know why isn't such or 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 he goes, you know, a lot of people couldn't make it, and we started going through the people who couldn't make it and why, and then we got to this girl, and he goes, and I could tell he was trying not to be judgmental, and he was trying to handle it very, like, you know, with kid gloves, you know, he's yeah. like, yeah, um, you know, such and such lives in Louisiana now, and um she, uh, yeah, is she's like doing the whole Wiccan thing and blah, blah, blah. Which, you know, I'll just state for the record, I don't believe uh, Wicca in and of itself is like this horrible thing, you know, do whatever whatever you want to do with your life, just keep it away from me, you know, kind of thing, so more power to you, but uh, this secondary aspect of it, I find particularly fucking disgusting, I'm sorry, call me fucking close-minded so i say to him i go oh such and such yeah man she's kind of went she's kind of like went off the rails a bit man a last recollection i have of her is her uh on instagram posted a picture of uh, her blood-soaked panties between her legs or, or between her ankles and he goes yeah he goes i didn't want to say anything but uh she actually sells her menstrual blood to people in oh. in, in new orleans louisiana oh. Uh, yeah, sells it. That's how uh, she makes her living. So I wanted to know. I'm not the most squeamish guy. I mean, I can watch you know horror films with guts being eaten, heads being ripped off, all stuff like that. But that that literally has made my stomach upset. Yeah, because uh, I mean, it's really hard to talk about this without going into uh, detail. But uh, period blood ain't like normal blood. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's it's more it's more foul it's more volatile that's all I'm gonna say about it so that's what she does and I wanted to know more people I'm a curious guy nothing wrong with being curious right Mike nothing wrong with being curious so I, I don't know why you <laughs> researched more into that I would have been like okay all right 
Well, I thought it would be a good. I guess this is I, a thing. Yeah, I thought it would be. But a, a I, good, I'm, I'm not gonna bother. Hey, you better. <laughs> but you better be thankful. Good for you. You better be thankful for, for Wiccan period blood because because if it wasn't for Wiccan period blood, there would be no news of the bazaar because that's what kicked off the whole idea of me well, doing this. Thank you. Then I guess that is that is a good thing. But that's the only good thing I could. I'm, I'm gonna. Yeah, no that that literally that. that literally is the only good thing to say about it. Um, so I looked <laughs> into this and. Apparently, menstrual blood is used in various spells of various kinds. I'll just give you a brief summary here. In the African-American hoodoo tradition, as well as in Sicilian folk magic, menstrual blood served to a man in his coffee or tea is a sovereign recipe for capturing his sexual attention. N- no... <laughs> No ritual, prayer, or invocation is necessary. You simply add some menstrual blood to the man's coffee or tea. Oh, God. The, I- the idea is to get your scent into the beloved's sphere of consciousness. There is nothing more or less than pheromone magic, and as such, it partakes of biology as much as it does occultism. My Sicilian grandmother believed in its efficiency and, uh, like, completely believed in it. I have done this often with uniformly good results. I have directly fed goblets of menstruum to my lover from my fingers as one, as one might feed a pet. This was done to bind him, but to avoid the sneakiness of slipping it into his drinks. I want him to know how much I want him to be mine and to know that I am working the spell on him right out in the open. Oh, my God. Uh, Sounds like a bunch of hoodoo to me. (laughs) (laughs) And, yeah, there's there's all... I mean, looking into more into this uh, Wiccan uh, and witchcraft and stuff, there's all kinds of, like... I'm just imagining that shit, like, feeding your lover fucking... Menstrual blood with a goblet? Like, what? what? Who fucking does this shit? Who are these people? I don't know. So help me God, I don't know. Uh, and you probably don't want to know. No, no, I really don't. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so this is a thing. I'm not going to go into it any further, but um, yeah, I mean that's that's a part of that is one aspect of um, the occult. <laughs> period blood, <laughs> and apparently, I know. I mean, that's even crazier to me than the people who say they're vampires and drink blood from people. Now the thing is, is like this chick that I knew that I went to high school with. Which, by the way, bat like. I went to an academy, so a lot of times you'd spend, um, you'd go through elementary, middle school, junior, or, or, you know, middle school, junior high, whatever you want to call it, and high school, all with the same people. So I remember this chick ever since she was in elementary, and I remember she used to eat her own boogers. So if that gives you any kind of uh, <laughs> indicator of, uh, <laughs> eating your own boogers is. Nothing compared to yeah, but it was kind of like a precursor blood that, thing. Yeah, like you know, I um, guess be, because you know, yeah, everyone ate their boogers when they're real little. But I mean, she was—I'm talking, she was like like ten years old in fifth grade. Oh yeah, like sneaking yeah. sneaking over off to the side where yeah. she didn't think anyone could see. Go, mining for gold. And <laughs> the, probably the sickest thing about all of this that that can that leaves me conflicted is 
she's pretty damn attractive. And so I'm like conflicted because I'm like, I'm like, are these people like, like, is that a thing? Like, are these people purchasing her menstrual blood because they feel as though she's some goddess or something and, and her specific menstrual blood is, is more special? I don't know. But um, it's... I have no idea. It's, she's, yeah, she's, she's fucking, I'm, I'm not, I'm, she's weird. I'm, I'm sorry. This is outside of my sphere of things that I accept in my schema of life that's fucking weird. I'm sorry if that offends you. No, it is. It's, it's definitely bizarre. So, speaking of weird news, I am on this uh, website called Chuck Shepard's News of the Weird. Um, I think this is a nice site. Uh, you might hear more uh, from us uh, reading from this site. These are just some random, short little news stories that are definitely weird. So, uh, th- these are uh, the most current ones. I think well, there's one from 5.9. I think there's a current one. It's like from 521. I just I just clicked on this one. So this is the current one. Um, this stuff happened... Actually, no, this is not as current as the one I was on. What the heck? <laughs> this site is structured weird. Uh, anyway, um, this is just some random uh, weird news. Uh, Jordan Haskins, 26, was sentenced to probation and sex counseling in May of this year after pleading guilty to eight charges arising from two auto accidents in Saginaw, Michigan. Prosecutors said Haskins described cranking in which he would remove a vehicle's spark plug wires to make it run rough, which supposedly improves his chances for a self-service happy ending. Haskins' lawyer added, cranking is something I don't think we we ever... I don't think we understand as attorneys. I don't understand it either. Is that is that it? No, there's other ones too. Well, no, but like, yeah, I was just making sure you're done reading. Um, yeah, yeah that that uh, that that gives a whole new definition to uh, pulling your crank, which uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely it's a euphemism for masturbation. Uh, Le Plot saw the dirty plate. A restaurant in, Mara- in the Maraz district of Paris features specialties actually containing dirt, or as Chef Solange Gregory calls the mud of the earth that caresses our toes, the sand kissed by the sun and rocks. Mused by a Food Network host in April, what's left? People are already eating snout to tail, leaves to roots. George Gregory, uh, he extolled her four-star dishes. Oh, it's a Oh, it's a she, okay. Including pastry crust, a la Mont la Chat Rock, and Bao Ragot stew simmered, simmered with slit silt from the river Seine. Yeah, uh, and apparently the NPR noted that the founder of the Shake Shack was quietly planning a new American chain called Rock and Roll. So they the so they cook their food with dirt? Yeah. Leave it to the French. That's all I got to say. <laughs> God. Uh, uh, Goldman Sachs and analyst Noah Popinac's 98-page paper leaked to the Business Insider in April touted the wealth obtainable by capturing the platinum reputed to be in asteroids. The cost to mine the stone, rockets, launch expenses, etc. might have dropped recently to about $3 billion. A trifle next to the $50 billion worth of platinum Popinac said a single asteroid might contain. The Twisted Ranch restaurant in the Solar neighborhood in St. Louis saw crowds swell in March after it revamped its menu with more than two dozen items made with ranch dressing, including ranch-infused Bloody Mary drinks. Uh. 
<laughs> I know. Ew. Now you know I love ranch. You know I'm one of those. Pe- I do too. I'm one of those people who's like, oh, not I, that much. Can I get a side of ranch with my fries? You know, like I'm that guy. But uh, yeah, yeah, that shit. That, yeah, you gotta have it in small doses. It's like mayonnaise. You have to small doses. It's great, but too much is makes me want to vomit. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's very rich. It's a very rich, thick. Cream. And in a Bloody Mary? Ew. Yeah, that's that's disgusting. Police in Cleveland are searching for the woman whose patience ran out on April 14th, awaiting her son's slow haircut at the Allstate Barber College. I didn't know that was a thing. An Allstate Barber College. She pulled out a pistol, took aim at the barber, and warned, I got two clips! I'll pop you! She allowed him to finish up more purposely... Uh, purpose, uh, purposefully, obviously, and left without further incident. I'm sorry, I, I couldn't even get my words together because it's just so f***ing out there. Really? Lady? You're nuts. Barbara Lowry, 24, was arrested for disorderly conduct in Coleman, Alabama in May after police spotted her standing on a car, stomping out the windshield and smashing the sunroof. She said it was her boyfriend's car, and she thought he was cheating on her, and that she had spent the previous night thinking about what to do, praying about it and stuff. However, she said, I did it anyway. Wow. A Neverland startup company announced in March its readiness to release drones capable of tracking freshly deposited dog shit via an infrared glow from the pile and eventually be guided, perhaps via GPS and artificial intelligence, to scoop up the deposits and carry them away. Yeah, drones that carry dog crap. All right, well, inventions that people are actually working on right now. Uh, uh, in February, a 52-year-old man who was arrested for DUI and taken to a police station in Germany's Lower Saxony state wound up spontaneously confessing to a 1991 cold case murder. Police confirmed that after reopening the files, they found details matching the man's account, and though the man himself was not quite clear why he had confessed. A game warden in Titus County, Texas, reported in December arresting a man for possessing a shotgun... The man's third arrest as a convicted felon with a firearm. And the warden had spotted the weapon only because the man, out of the blue, approached him and asked him if he wanted to inspect his hunting license, which it turns out was an order. And I got, there's one more sort of, this is sort of a a bizarre thing from the past. Something that people actually pay for. Uh, Kopi Luat Coffee. Have you heard of this coffee? No, I have not. Um, it began in night. Uh, people started making this coffee in 1993 with the first reports that a super premium market existed for coffee beans digested and excreted by certain Asian civet cats. Oh wait, yes, I have. Uh, I have and heard it was of that. collected, washed, and brewed. Yeah. I- so yeah, uh, apparently it's really expensive. Yeah. Two hundred twenty-seven dollars a pound coffee be- for the coffee beans. Uh, and eighty dollars a cup in California, and that was in twenty thirteen. Yeah, people pay big money to drink coffee me- that was literally shat out of an Asian cat's ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that that reminds me of that spinal that the line in Spinal Tap where the album review. Uh, they named yeah. the, they named their album Shark Sandwich, and the review just said "shit sandwich." Shit sandwich, yeah, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, okay. That's enough bizarre news for this week. We got to save some for uh, next week. Before we go, though, now it's time for Know Your Listener Corner, where I want you guys to know your listeners. I want you to know who listens to this podcast, know who your neighbors are. Um, this week, I will. Um, uh, she goes by the name um, Peppermint S. Um, she's one of our faithful Patreon contributors. Thank you, Peppermint. Um, she confided into me a story here. It's a crazy story. So, so bear with me here. It was a crazy story, but um, it happened. So after a failed marriage proposal to her husband, uh, Peppermint S. Uh, moved into her own apartment. Now, after taking advice from her friend Rick... Peppermint bribed the cable guy, who was named Ernie Chip Douglas, to give her free movie channels. Now, this is pretty common. People do this. Not a big deal so far. Uh, He actually did it. It worked. So, Chip gets Peppermint to hang out with him the next day and makes her one of his preferred customers. Um, Chip takes Peppermint to the satellite dish responsible for sending out the television signals and um, Peppermint tells her problems uh, that, that she's having romantically to Chip, who advises her to admit his faults to, uh, or her faults to her significant other and invite her, her over to watch Sleepless in Seattle. Anyway, long story short, all, all, all this crazy stuff starts happening. So the cable guy, Chip, or whatever, starts getting obsessed with Peppermint and just starts going crazy, just starts showing up to her apartment, banging on the door, and this, that, and the other. And um, Peppermint gets freaked out and starts avoiding this guy. And um, it it basically, the story ends with um, Chip convincing Peppermint to meet him at a cable tower, and they go, like, he actually starts assaulting her. She's like, Fending him off. They end up climbing this ladder to the top of the tower. It sounds crazy. He slips. The cable guy slips. Falls off. Lands on the bottom of the cable tower. And he he somehow survives the attack. And that ends the whole craziness in her life at that point. So that was a crazy story, Peppermint. Thank you for confiding that in me. And, and I'm sorry that I'm saying this on the podcast, but I just I couldn't help it. I had to I had to say it, you know. So I mean it's completely original. A completely original These story. These stories sound very familiar, Josh. Um no, I don't actually think they do, Mike. I think they sound like an original story. I swear, I think I've seen him. I saw a film no, with Jim Carrey. No, I don't think you did. That had a similar. Uh, uh. <laughs> so, if you would like your own crazy story um, read on the podcast, considering um, uh, considering donating to us on Patreon, it's patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. And if you want to kick in five bucks a month, you will not only get a crazy story read on the uh, podcast, but you will also get the podcast early than everyone else, and you'll also get a firm slap on the ass 
from um, not me or Mike, but some guy that we hire in your town to come up to you. Uh... Well, <laughs> well, me and Mike haven't talked about the details yet of it, but I, I pretty much signed off that this is definitely going to happen. So, yeah, it's another <laughs> perk that you get. So we're nearing the end of the podcast here. I really, really freaking hope that this audio works well, how it's supposed to. Um, you can uh, like our fan page on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. Join our Facebook group of the same name. Uh, you can uh, donate to us on Patreon. I already threw that link out. You can subscribe to us on YouTube and watch uh, our individual videos on there. Mike's channel is youtube.com slash OCP Communications. Uh, he covers movies, movie reviews. He's uh, right now. I'm reviewing uh, the King Kong films, so if that sounds like something that you might be interested in, definitely check. Didn't they out do sometime. a musical or something that you had to sit through? Or? Oh my God, <laughs> the Mighty Kong! Uh. <laughs> yes, I love to hear you suffer. Uh, sorry, did I just say that loud? Uh, that slipped out. Um, my, my YouTube channel where I do all kinds of crazy stuff, I do vlogs, I just did, a, or my last vlog I did is uh, why, why is cursing such a big deal in modern society, I do video game reviews, I do taste testing, all that stuff, it's a mixed bag of mostly shit. Um, it's youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts, and um, yeah, that's all that we have to plug for now. Uh, I'll probably start inserting little clips of my music from dancing with ghosts in these podcasts, you can get a little sample of what the music sounds like, and the CD and the digital download code should be coming out soon. So keep your ears open for that, and I hope you check the album out. But for me and Mike, that's all the time we have for to this week. Uh, have a good rest of your week, and stay safe. Bye! See ya! debut album by Dancing with Ghosts will be out soon. It is titled Koyana Scotsy and will be available for purchase in the next few weeks. Hey guys, it's me, Josh Cannon. I know I don't talk about my band or music very often on the podcast, but this is a huge part of my life and one of my longest passions that I've had. This album, Koyana Scotsy, which comes from a film by the same name and is a Native American term meaning life out of balance, is for anyone who's a fan of alternative rock, electronic music, industrial music, pop music, (laughs) even a little bit of gospels in there, Uh, this album is for you. Uh, I play all the instruments and even sing, so it would be an honor for you to support me and check this album out. I'll shut up now and let you listen to the music. Uh, let's uh, real quick edit right here for four fifty eight. Um, dude, I don't know what's going on with 
your end, but when you go a while without talking, I think your mic automatically starts getting louder as far as picking up just white noise in the room. Like, I'm just hearing white noise, like, the longer you go without talking on your end. I, I don't know. It doesn't really show up that much on the recording, yes. trust me. Yeah, see, now it went away. Like, whenever you talk, it goes into the background, but the longer you go without talking, it gets louder and louder. It's almost like the mic... See, now it's doing it again. It's almost its almost like the mic... Um, it, I don't hear that on my uh, audio when it's just recorded with my program. It basically cuts that stuff out. All right. You'll see. Well, I hope it sounds all right because... Uh, yeah, that's it sounded all right before. That's what I this that's that's what I used to record the audio I just sent you. Yeah, but we didn't go a long time without talking though before. I don't know. We'll see. It's pretty distracting <laughs> though. It gets really loud. It's like it's almost like like webcams and shit. Like if you what are you talking about? Like I this is I've used this microphone okay, every single time we've done this. I'll tell you exactly what it does. When you go a while without talking, now it goes. I don't know. That must be on your end. It's not on my end. All right. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Going back into it. All right. Before we move on, I got to take a piss. Okay. I might as well do that, too. I guess you want to mark that down as an edit. <laughs> yep. 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 I'll tell you what. Hello there. All right, you ready to talk about the the period blood, huh? The (laughs) the angel from my nightmare, the shadow in the background of the morgue, the unsuspecting victim. I I swear my singing sounds better when I actually try. Yeah, have you heard uh, of this guy? There was some guy on YouTube. He was bragging about, he was talking about how you should have sex with your girl while she's as a period, you know, it's a really uh, wonderful thing. And he was talking about how he kept his girlfriend's blood-soaked period oh, pad. Oh, God. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Some ni- I mean, this is, that- this is disgusting, but, uh, I, you know. That's some nice, uh. Nice B-roll footage right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, here we go.